Ready for some word? If you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and, and get that out. And let's talk about some things today. I started a new series a few weeks back, and this one is called Right Living in a Wrong World. And, and so 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, verse 34, is uh, where we're going to start today, where we started the last few weeks as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, it reads, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Let me remind you of what I've said before, that uh, there are two components to this, and the order in which they are stated are vital. Number one, awake to righteousness. All right, find out who you are in Christ. If you're saved, if you're a believer, you need to know that you have been made right with God. Be awakened, if you will, to that revelation, to that truth. That sets the stage for the second exhortation here, and that is do not sin. I want to emphasize that both components are important biblical messages. All right? If you, if you leave off either, we might be in trouble. If you just go to point two, you probably are in a works-based mentality and religion and just trying to keep the law and just trying to be good enough for God. Uh, but if you only do point one, you might not have very much practical application to your righteousness. And so you might on paper be like brilliant and have really good beliefs, but when others watch you, they, they cringe. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, now, let me remind you of Philippians 2 as well, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only as in my presence, or not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Emphasis, salvation is your own. You already have it. With, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen. Praise God. So that's good news for all of us. If we, if we ever have the thought that, you know, I don't know if I'm strong enough, motivated enough, capable of doing what I'm supposed to do with my life, doing God's will, fulfilling his plan, uh, be uh, not discouraged because the greater one lives inside of you. All right. And he is working present tense in your life. He's working on you. And how do we say it? He's working on our want to and he's working on our to do. Yeah. Right. Working on our desires. You, you just look to the Lord. He'll fix your desires if they're messed up because yep. he wants you to want what he wants. And then he works on our implementation, our ability to act on righteousness, our ability to do what pleases him. Yeah. Sometimes I think if I'm on my own, I don't know if I can pull this off. I feel insufficient and capable. But good news is I'm not on my own. Amen. You know, sometimes people say, without the Lord, we're just nothing. Well, yeah, but are you without the Lord? <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Never will be ever again without him. So I don't need to I don't need to spend unless I'm just all puffed up in pride. I don't need to spend too much time thinking about what I am without the Lord. I need to start, I need to spend more time thinking about what I am with him. Right? Yeah. You know, by myself, uh, I can only do what I can do. 
Um, I was thinking about, you know, if, I, if I'm challenged to a, a two-on-two basketball game, two-on-two, I just need the right partner. If I can pick any partner, you know, in the universe, any basketball partner, I'm going to win. Right? Even if I'm 1% of it. If I can get the 99, (laughs) right? And I think that way with the Lord. With me, by myself, I don't know. Man, this is an iffy situation. But if I got him on my side, we're we're winning. We're going to overcome. And good news, that's who's, on, that's who's in your courts, right? That's who's on your side. It is the Lord God Almighty working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now, our goal should be, I'm talking to believers now, if you, if you is one, our goal is to live a lifestyle that is consistent with who we are in Christ. Being saved first and foremost, obviously. But then the outworking of that is now what's foremost in my mind. That, that's, that's essential to be consistent. I don't want to be a walking contradiction. I don't want to bear the name of Christ. I don't want to say I am his, he's mine, he's in me, I'm in him. But then my, my manner of life is inconsistent with that confession meaning he's one way, I'm a different way. He thinks one way, I think different. He speaks one way, I speak different. I I know sometimes people will uh, use it as a, I don't know, a mocking or correction when when they tell someone, you're just acting, you're just trying to act like God. Almost like that would be a negative. Oh, excuse me. Far be it for me to act like God. No, no, no. We're told in Scripture exactly the opposite, to be imitators of God. We're supposed to act like God. If I'm told to do that, then I know I can trust Him to work in me to enable me to do it. Amen. See, the mentality that we cannot do right, that, man, that goes back to the previous series I taught called A, a Whole New World. When people think of themselves as weak, broken incapable, sinner, failure, I can't do anything right. That's what they're going to live out. But knowing who he's made me and now trusting in him each and every day to live through me, that's the victory. That's the answer. Hallelujah. Someone was telling me the other day, they they heard some preacher say, supposedly say, they hadn't sinned. I don't even know if this is probably not even true. But... If, if so, I'm sure it was explained in some kind of context. But it said, this preacher, and there was a well-known person, they said they hadn't committed a sin in so long. It's a pretty long period of time. And they were all frustrated over that. Ah, I forget that. I can't believe someone would ever say they haven't sinned in so long. Well, that can't be. And so they're judging him as liar. Anyway, it's probably not true anyway, because people tell stories and they get changed. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm not believing a lot of negative stories. I'm not going to believe about you, let alone some preacher. Especially, I'm not going to believe it about a preacher. (laughs) Because we get lied on. But I'm not believing about you. Someone comes telling negative stories about you either. Anyway, the the, the thought process, process goes, and I was sharing with this 
person who was telling me the story, I said, well, they don't think someone could not sin if they're a Christian. They don't think they could. Well, I think I would ask them this. You think they could sin less? You know, from before they were a Christian. I mean, don't we believe that? I mean, could you, if you used to sin like 20 times in a given period, think you could get it down to 10? And if you believe that, why do you believe that? Well, if you're at 10, you think you could get it to 5? I mean, theoretically, wouldn't it be possible? What if you got it down to 1? If you got it down to 1, I'd be just, based on that principle, maybe you could just not do it at all. That's, oh, no, oh, no, no. You can't not sin at all. But what's the, what's the basis for that belief? Because it's not a verse. It's not a New Testament scripture that says you have to do anything. And the moment I start believing that I have to do wrong, I can't control, I've left the Spirit. Whether someone succeeds or not, it, that's not really not my point. The point is I should believe that God is able to work in me, and so I literally can say no to wrong things. I can follow Him. And if I can follow Him once, I can do it again. And if I can live for God on Sunday, I could pull it off on Monday. Amen. Instead of just believing these negatives because we can't, ever, we can't embrace the possibility that someone might, you know, like truly be righteous. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, something to think about. Everybody thinking? All right. I want you to think. So I don't agree with that. Well, don't go talking about me. <laughs> I'm trying to help. And uh, anyway, what we don't, like I said, we don't want to be walking contradictions. See, one of the things that we see in, in the Word of God is that agreement is a very powerful principle. Agreement. Jesus taught us about agreeing prayer. Two or three agree as praying, as touching anything they ask. He said it would be done by my Father in heaven. When we agree, it carries power in the Spirit, right? What, what we want to do is have um, a unified spirit and soul, you understand what that means? When someone gets saved, their spirit is made in the likeness and image of God. They're made the righteousness of God in Christ, but their soul needs to catch up. The way they think, their emotional realm, their intellect needs to catch up with their completed spirit. If I can get unified in spirit and soul, I'm going to live this out. It's not going to be theory. It's not just going to be my theology or my church. It's going to be the way I conduct myself. I, I live this way. And that, that would be our goal. Is uh, And when we have our unified spirit and soul, we're going to we're really going to soar. See, the new birth needs to then um, be, uh, uh, our soul, the new birth changes our spirit. Our soul is changed through, through intentional application of God's word. Instead of thinking, I can't, I don't know, I'm not strong enough, not good enough. I'm going to find a verse and do it. That alters my soul and puts it in alignment with my spirit. Every time we do that, all right? And, uh, and Jesus made this statement. You may have heard this verse in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. All right? So how many know good works are not synonymous with trying to earn your salvation? Hallelujah. All right? 
good works are godly. They're smart, all right? They're influential. And if we want, according to Jesus here, if we want more people to glorify our Father in heaven, what do they need? They need, they don't need more of us to come to church who are already saved, right? They need to see us do good things. How many understand? You know, there's always some, and we're glad you're here. Uh, But most people who don't know the Lord aren't here. (laughs) Most people that don't know the Savior have a relationship with God. They don't come to church on Sunday. So when we come here and do good things, and we ought to, we're a family, we love each other, we serve each other. We come here and do good things and we worship and give and serve and bless and pray for others and all the things that we do. They don't don't see that. The world doesn't see that. Therefore, they're not glorifying God because we went to church today. So the good works that he's referencing are not the good things we do when we come together. They're good things we do when we depart. That's what causes them to glorify God because they see you do life different. You treat people different. You're more generous. You're more loving. You're more powerful. There's something different about your life. So we have to do these things in such a way that they're visible. Come out of the closet and show everybody that you're a believer. Not just tell them. Telling them is one component, but showing them is vital in this equation. Now, if you would... Uh, find another place today. That is the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians. Now, you understand the book, uh, you'll go to the fourth chapter, but I'll get there in a little bit. Uh, You understand these books in the New Testament, we call them books, they're letters. Like Ephesians is a letter. Paul, an apostle of God, wrote a letter to Christians who are at who who lived in Ephesus, they were the church in Ephesus. That's why the book is called Ephesians. Okay, it's a letter. He's inspired by the Lord to give them biblical instruction. I say biblical. The Bible wasn't the Bible as complete as it is now, but he was giving them spiritual instruction, kingdom truth on how they should live and and, and other things. The book of Ephesians is very unique. Um, I often like to grab verses here and there and get the context, but just focus on a passage, and we'll do that in a minute. But sometimes it's good to step back and look at the whole thing, okay? What is, you know, what is the message of the Bible? What is the message, the message of the Old Testament? What is the message of the New Testament? In this case, what about the book of Ephesians? And it's very interesting because there are really three different main components, where Paul seems to shift gears. The first three chapters are teaching basically who we are in Christ, okay? It would be similar to uh, that series I did prior to this one, all right? In the first three chapters, we read about our resurrection with Christ, our union with God, our position seated in heaven, seated with Christ in heavenly places. We read about our dominion over Satan and all his works. And so uh, this, that essence of that belief is foundational for all Christians. And honestly, 
a whole lot of Christians try to live their lives without that revelation. I mean, it is worthy of much meditation. Knowing your position, your place in him is huge. But then he shifts gears in chapter four and the, the focus is not just who you are spiritually, but it's then how you walk that out, how, how you live this new life in Christ. And he talks about how, to con- how we conduct our daily lives, how we are trained and equipped by ministry gifts. He talks about, you know, putting on the new man and being filled with the Spirit continually. Then he goes on to teach them about marriage and parenting and, uh, you know, even you know, work stuff and how to get along with others. And, uh, and then chapter six in the 10th verse is really the last component of the book. And that's where he goes into what sometimes is referred to as spiritual warfare. Okay. He talks about putting on the armor of God, being strong in the Lord. He talks about prayer. This is how you're going to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I think there's There's something to learn in the order in which these things are written. What's our most important message after getting saved? I need to know who I am in Christ. I need to know about the new creation, my position, my place seated with him, my right to use the name of Jesus and overcome. I need to know what he's given me for free. Then, everybody say then. Then. I need to know how to live that out. I need to know how to walk it. Lever, all right? And, 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 and then, everybody say, then, then I'm ready to do battle. Yes. See, sometimes people want to do battle. They say, oh, the devil's really been messing with me. I've really been under attack. I, I, I need help. I'm, I'm in some kind of spiritual warfare. Do you know who you are in Christ? Because if you don't, yikes, that's just going to be tough. Or... Do you know who you are in Christ, but you still live like the world? You still have a funky walk? Huh? And now you're trying with your inconsistent lifestyle, you're worshiping God one minute and then serving, you know, the flesh the next minute. And then you're going to go ahead and do battle and you're going to pray. You're wondering why your prayers aren't working. Amen. I'm just saying there's some logic to this order of getting it and living it and then being able to be used by God in other, in other, in other ways. Amen. I, I think of it this way. Uh, uh, the first part is our wear. The second part is our walk. Third part is our warfare. All right. Amen. So just being in Christ then is not the whole conversation. We need practical instruction to make full use of this amazing position. My experience in pastoring and trying to be the pastor of certain people looks like this. <laughs> when I have found individuals that only want to hear about Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, they become very difficult, if not impossible, to pastor. Because at some point, I want to talk to them about their life how they live. I want to talk to them about doing something for God instead of just sitting back making in Christ confessions. And that's usually when they will say, this is getting too legalistic or something like that. And that's usually when they bolt. 
And I've ta- spoken, I've talked to other pastors, and they have a similar trouble. When they follow certain, certain ministries that only, it seems, only focus on that first reality, those people are not useful in the hands of God. It's very interesting. I mean, I mean Jesus uh, wrote, uh, wrote uh, John wrote it in the book of Revelation. Remember the letters to the churches there? And, uh, and the one, he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Instead, you're lukewarm and I want to spit you out of my mouth. Vomit. You know, people think, yeah, we should either go all in for God or not for God at all. That's not what it means. It, 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 has, to do with, uh, it has to do with lukewarm water being useless. Because the city had a, there was a hot city that had hot springs and there was a city that had cool springs, cool water that was in different parts. The city he was writing to this letter to, they all knew their water came from the other places. By the time they got it, it was like, Bleh. you didn't want to take a bath in it. You didn't want to drink it. It was useless. Amen. And that's what we don't want to be. I want to know who I am in Christ, and I want to know how to live this. I want to know how to walk this out. I want to be someone that, that the Lord can, can do something uh, good in. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul writing this letter. So if you're wondering why is he a prisoner of the Lord, it's for preaching the gospel. Prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Okay, notice the language. He says you should walk worthy. I think about natural walking. Think about a child walking, you know, when they first learn and they stumble and they grab onto things and their walk looks a certain way. You know, I think about uh, the models who walk and they're doing their thing. And uh, I'm not gonna try to imitate that. But they walk a certain way, and uh, you, you got your casual strolling and your fast walkers, those who walk for exercise. You got your moon walkers, and I could do that one, but I'm not going to today. Uh, <laughs> uh, di- different, different types of walking in, in the physical world, and it's for different purposes, but the way you walk is important. All right, that's used figuratively for our spiritual uh, conduct. How we live our lives is referred to our walk. And our walk is said to be that it ought to be a worthy walk. You ought to walk in a worthy manner. Worthy of what? The calling. So we start off with this. What I have been called to to be, what I've been called to do, 100% of us, all right, is noble, it's holy, it is God-ordained. No one is insignificant in God's kingdom and God's plan. From the day you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you stepped into the beginning of your purpose. You could say you're calling from God, and it will last for all eternity. So what he's saying, listen, this is heavy duty, you guys. This is big time. This is eternal. This is ordained of God himself. So make sure you walk in a manner that is consistent with that calling. You don't want to have some high calling, some great um, purpose in life, but your walk interrupts it. You know, I I, I go around at, at town and sometimes, you know, go into restaurants. You see people who are serving in the military. 
and they're wearing their, their, their gear. They're wearing their uniforms. And, and, and what if, and I always, see, I always have, I never see anything negative, but what if every time I saw someone who was wearing the, the fatigues and, and, and they were rude and they were rude to everyone and they were mean and they were just ugly and belligerent. How many know I wouldn't have a high regard for their branch or their, you know, at least their location, who they're serving. I would think, ah, that's, that puts a bad taste in my mouth for their, um, their division or our country, yeah. right? Because they have a calling, if you will. They are serving for something greater. We have something that's even more important than that, and that is the kingdom of God. What does it mean to walk worthy, appropriately, uh, after a godly sort? A worthy walk is one that's deserving of effort. Is that okay, effort? Yes. means I, have to, I may have to work at this. I don't have to work at getting saved. I receive a gift. I may have to work on my walk. Right? Just like the baby work, works on the walk. Right? Just like those who are in certain professions and they do their special walks. They have to learn to walk. I need to learn to walk in a worthy manner. All right? And it's worth every effort. Okay? It's a, it's a, it's a respectful walk. It matches the calling. Verse 2, he says this is, now this is starting to describe the walk. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I can see real clear three categories here. My worthy walk involves having a good attitude. Okay? It's lowly. It's gentle. So, do I, does, it make, does it make any difference what my attitude is? I claim to be a believer. I'm living for the Lord. Do I need to have a good attitude? Yeah. A bad attitude stinks. <laughs> a bad attitude, right. I mean, when, when, uh, when flying, when learning to fly, one of the things that uh, instructors do to their new pilots is they put you, put, you put on a hood, something that covers your eyes so you can only see the instruments. It's instrument flying. And then, uh, they, and then they put the plane in, in, in an awkward, I forget the word, but uncoordinated, a, a bad attitude. So all of a sudden, they will put the plane, and you'll feel it, but you don't know. They put the plane, you're in a dive, or you're climbing in a weird way, you're not coordinated, you're not going straight, and they, they will take the controls and put the plane in a funky position and say, now, now it's your plane. All right, and you are supposed to, you, you're supposed to look at your, uh, well, come to think about it, you can't even look at the instruments at first. Uh, but you, you look and you have to see, you have an attitude indicator and you have to see what, how the plane is and, and what's the correct steps to, to get it back, right? Because if you stay in a bad attitude, um, you're in trouble. <laughs> you must correct this or you will crash, right? And this is true concerning the believer's life that we must keep our attitude right. Secondly, I see he talked about the worthy walk involves treating others well. That's long-suffering and love. I'm saved. I know, but how do you treat people? Are you long-suffering, patient with people? Do you, do, you, do you walk in love? 
This is part of a worthy walk. So the worthy walk for the whatever might look a certain way. The worthy walk for a Christian is we smile, is we forgive, is we speak to people with respect, is we treat them well even when they don't treat us well. If we just operate on their level, that's not worthy of our calling. We're called to something greater. Okay? And then number three, he said, uh, talked about unity and the bond of peace. So we must preserve unity. A worthy Christian walk values unity. It values agreement. All right? Um, In other words, it doesn't matter if you're in Christ, if you have a bad attitude, you treat others poorly, and you cause division. So I know who I am in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am blessed going in and blessed going out. But (laughs) good, I love all those verses too. But if you're causing division, you are messing everything up. You are not not walking worthy of this high calling that we have. Okay? One of my goals in teaching today and every time we, we gather and minister is I'm trying to persuade you to think a certain way. All right? Say good luck with that. Well, (laughs) you're here. At least you're giving me a chance. Seriously. I try to give biblical truth, and I do, but I try to say it in a way, illustrate it in a way. I try to be convincing. I'm trusting in the Lord because He's the ultimate revealer of truth, but... I want to convince people to think a certain way, to believe certain things, and to live their lives according to certain principles, right? If we can do that, if I'm successful, if God is successful, what happens is we become a powerful force, all right? We we dispel darkness. The enemy can't eat people up. He can't clean their clock because we're unified, we're protected, and and we can do great things together. In other words, let me say it this way. If we can come into agreement, we can walk together. If we can't, we can't. Remember Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? You can't do it in marriage unless you find agreement. You can't do it in church unless you find agreement. Right? Now, I don't mean by that that we all have to agree 100% on all things in life. Right? Like my wife likes mushrooms. There's some things you just can't agree with. I mean, you have to draw the line. But that's not of high importance, so we can walk together. When we're eating, it's high importance, but in life, that's not of great importance. We have to agree on a lot of things that are more important than that. One of the tricks the enemy uses is he tries to get uh, couples or church family to focus on the negatives, focus on what they don't agree on. And, you know, often they're way down the list of importance. Like, they probably agree on 99% of the things, and the devil will try to stir up the 1% and try to get people against each other. Well, you can't be friends with them. You can't be married to them. 
You can't walk with them. They believe X. And it's something that's so way down there. I've seen this happen. I've seen people depart from churches because they say, well, this, I left there because of X. And it's like, whoa, that is like so unimportant. And you made a spiritual decision that affects your destiny and God's kingdom and his glory on that? That's capital dumb. <laughs> Can I tell you? you, you've been tricked. You've been deceived more than the government deceived us into wearing those face things. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just illustrating. <laughs> Say, oh, I can't walk with you. Come on. It's not a, that's not huge important. You understand what I'm saying? And people get, get stirred up about the wrong things. What we need is to you know, as the old saying, major on the majors. Uh, but th this, this unity thing is super important. That we walk together. That we come into agreement. I, I don't want to agree with you, nor do I want you to agree with me. I want to agree with the Lord. And I want you to agree with the Lord. If I'm speaking His Word and I'm going close to Him, you know, like the old, the old tri triangle... You got your husband and you got your wife and you got Jesus at the top. And if you get both of them closer to Jesus, they're going to get closer to each other. Amen. See, as a believer, I don't uh, have a, a goal of just getting everyone to agree with me and believe. I, I want to speak the truth and I don't want to compromise truth. Some say, well, I'm just trying to keep the peace. Well, I understand that, that desire and that goal to keep peace, but not at all costs. I'm not willing to compromise the Lord or His Word or His standard just so someone else accepts or agrees or believes what I do. Everybody with me? Say, so we just have to agree. We just need to find common ground. Yes, unless... It disagrees with the Lord. You know, Paul said, as much as possible, live peaceably with all, one, with all men, as much as you can. In other words, he says, sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes they are just not going to be the kind of person you can agree with, and so you can't make it perfect. But if my goal is to believe the truth, is to walk in the wisdom and ways of God, and your goal is to do that, man, we're going to be able to get somewhere. And there's something about... When, when people are united, it's, this, it's, it's part of our worthy walk. We don't talk about each other. We don't criticize each other. We're, we're, not, we're not listening to someone say, hey, did you hear what, someone, what this person did? And they may just be gossiping. They may be lying. They might be telling the truth, but it's still not beneficial. It's divisionary. There is an enemy that, has at, that is at work constantly to divide families, to divide churches, to bring disunity because it stops the power of God from flowing. Amen. Come on. Amen. And this is a part of our walk. See, when we can come together, believe the same thing and have the same purpose of heart and motive, God's spirit will be poured out. I need to learn what, what, what comes out of my mouth or what do I hear coming out of someone else's mouth that is divisionary in nature. And I'll know that breaks the unity of the spirit. And so I want 
the Spirit of God to rule and to reign. You, 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 might, amen. you might recall even on the day of Pentecost, they were all with, with one accord, right? In one place. And suddenly there came the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues of fire sat on each one of them, right? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What do we want in here? I tell you what I pray for, what I seek, what I'm looking for all the time. I want a move and manifestation of the Spirit of God. I want an outpouring in your life, in my life, in our church, so we can be all that God wants us to be. And I tell you, our worthy walk, which values coming together in unity, we resist division, we resist uh, the thoughts, um, you know, that 1% thing that knocks us off track. And we stay with our purpose in mind in serving God and doing His will. I tell you, that's when the, the glory of God will be made manifest in ways that our heart longs for, our heart desires. Thank you, Lord. But this is something we endeavor to do. What do you mean, we endeavor? That's the language. We, we make every effort. We are, we, it's, it, the word means to use speed. So I'm going to get this quick. If there's division, I'm going to get that out quickly. I'm going to fix the situation quickly. Get on the same page so we have the outpouring. So we have the full measure of God's grace upon us. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. He's helping our walk. Come come on, working on our walk. Last week we learned about being a smoking church. (laughs) Right? We need smoke. Don't let me, I can't explain that right now for for newbies. (laughs) And we need to learn how to walk. A worthy walk, worthy of our calling. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in here.